start with the team. Like if, like just really start with the team because like, you know, who knows entrepreneurship and venture where things are going to go. Like you want to be with people like you like that you learn from, right? Because like, you know, there will be highs, there will be lows, you know, and, and there might not even be light at the end of the tunnel, right? But you will enjoy the journey if you enjoy the people that you're with, right? So it's like you're already a winner no matter what happens if you're, you know, if you have the right team. And then, you know, of course, have a great idea and have the skills and all of this too, right? But always start with a team. It's also one of those things when people ask me like advice around like, how do I get investors? And how do, you know, I need investment so I can hire a team. And I was like, you've got it wrong. <laughs> you get the team and then the investors will give you money. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. Welcome to episode 106 of 14 Minutes of SaaS, the final installment of a series of six wonderful episodes with George Pechnik, Chief Innovation Officer of WeTransfer we learn about the immense influence of dance and seeing falling as a source of momentum has had on so much of what he does. We also hear about moleskin notebooks being described as books waiting to be written. He may be an entrepreneur in the land of digital, but George derives his inspiration from the real world. As a result, waxing lyrical on analog experience is never too far away from the conversation. George also deconstructs his defining characteristics and motivations and offers some sage advice for other adventurous entrepreneurs out there. The, the reason like Moleskine was um, so successful, right? Uh, Maria Segurbondi, like you know, she, um, when she created that brand was that she recognized that at that time she would talk about the digital nomads Right, that with the rise of technology, people are just valuing that quiet space to think, and they place a premium on, um, you know, they place a premium on their time and their thinking time, right? And that's so. If your paper is three dollars or nineteen dollars, right? I mean, for for a certain type of you know worker, it, the, the time is the limiting factor, Absolutely. right? And and and. And you know, and then she also was quite genius in terms of positioning, where she would say, "It's like, oh, well, this is not a Moleskine. It's 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 a book that has yet to be written, right? It's not paper. It's a book that has That's yet to be written, right? But it's yeah. it's ingenious. But the Italians are genius in that way. Yeah. But that was like sort of the, the, you know, that was actually a huge impetus, like seeing sort of the rise of Moleskine in terms of like, you know, what is Moleskine doing that like technology is not? And actually, that led to then many answers where like, hang on, we didn't design actually for creativity." Creativity has different demands. It has the demands for thinking, for seeing, for, for you know, showing, for delivering. Not like how quickly can I get from A to B. Right? And when did you build Collect? Uh, Collect the that was seeing some, one. When, when, when did that? Yeah, happen? so that was under that was very much under development, and then had just shipped short, uh, shortly before we then joined through the acquisition, oh, and then okay. most recently we then actually added then the, the subscription component, and the SaaS component to to Collect as well. So Collect is 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 about like. You know, there is an increase of, you know, just the vastness of information that we encounter today has, of course, dramatically increased, but also the shapes and forms in which you encounter information. It could be a tweet, a podcast, a collection of files, um, a link, 
and uh, collect is this you know super power like super powerful shoebox in which you can collect any type of inspiration that you see you can organize it and then make more use of it right so it's it's been dubbed like the um, the introvert version of Pinterest or actually you know I actually thought of Pinterest when you said yeah, it. yeah 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 so but it's like but you know where Pinterest is like a great social discovery tool yeah like yeah. you know collect is then sort of that quiet Small place focus. where you get to gather like the stuff that's and and then reuse and repurpose the the you know your your digital files and and assets in in, in your workflow then right so collect sort of sits between paper and connects them to paste and connects them to other workflows, right? So that's sort of where we're collectors. Now, for any listeners who, who can't see George right now, because I have this thing about audio and I want to bring audio to the world, uh, George is a very fluid mover. And yeah. when he's speaking to me, he's at his most comfortable when he's expressing himself with his hands, his shoulders, uh, his torso, <laughs> his face, everything. Um, you know, you are almost at rest when you move. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder, you know, you're, about, you're behind the movement of ideas, uh, you know, how connected they are. And I do know that you, you love the art of dance. Yeah. Um, could you tell us a little bit about uh, yeah. the influence that's had in your life and, and how it continues to influence yeah. your life? Yeah, uh, there's so, oh my gosh, there is, well, first one, I mean, as you're talking about the movement of ideas, like what I really like to think about now is like, how does each, what is the spin? What is each movement, each, this, each product enables, right? And that's sort of like, these are like gestures and how do they connect, right? So there's actually that movement piece. I, I started dancing in during my college years because I you know, used to play a lot of music and I knew my, my dorm mates would not appreciate me practicing the trumpet for two to three hours every day. <laughs> so, but I still wanted that connection and that's sort of like where, where, where dance then came into play. And, and you know, I didn't quite know what to, to get from it. It was one of those things where I was like, you know, karate and martial arts is too aggressive. I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, you know, yoga, that wasn't quite, that was too far. Um, that the, the yoga piece was, was you know, too far from my culture at that time. And then I learned about Martha Graham, who uh, had essentially incorporated every, like, you know, she's, she's actually studied a lot of her, her movements and took took like a lot of inspiration from from you know from the martial arts from yoga from of course like you know you know the repertoire of dance at that time and actually translated that into a technique and and so that's what I ended up studying for about 7 years but in dance you spend a lot of time actually working with the feeling of falling right of building up momentum and you know progressively through your practice and as you're moving and removing it is actually this you really start learning that like that feeling of falling is very similar to building up momentum to reach that next level right and sometimes many moves or movements in dance like require that momentum to reach there and at at some moment like my mind really like something in my mind clicked um, where it then became very comfortable with the ambiguity of are you falling or you're just building up momentum you start realizing that they're actually the same Right. It is it is the same. And once you allow for that, you realize that you know, your capacity of sit or deal with that ambiguity, it becomes actually a tremendous creative act. Right. Because you then you like one, you know, you you actually realize that before you truly fall, there is usually a long distance to go. And even if you do fall, like there are usually, you know, other dancers around that that'll you know, that'll lend a hand. Um, 
you know, and that that has actually in, in the end has like served me in the most unexpected ways in, in my life. The first one is about you know as as you you know um, as I would grow and rise through my career, like you have to do a lot of speaking and public speaking. Well, which in itself is sometimes a terrifying experience, but actually doing a dance performance in front of like a bunch of dancers that dance much better than you and you're out there making a fool of yourself is a great career for, for actually having to do public speaking later on. But also you very quickly then realize that that feeling of unease, of discomfort, standing at a podium and wherever, you know, is again just that feeling of falling or you know, you are entering a dance with the audience, right? And you start feeling like the ground shift, yeah. right? As you're speaking and it becomes like, you know, more of a ritual or of movement, you start being able to, another one of those things is as a, as a dancer, you can actually breathe your lungs, like by through contractions, you actually can make yourself breathe. It's just really, that's sort of, that's a, that's a very Martha Graham type thing. She, okay. she really would work with like contractions and releases, right? But why is this really important? Because if you have to steady your breath, right? I, I, you can, like, I can lower my pulse by just physical body movement that will change my breath and calm the body back down, right? Wow. So it is like, it is so connected to. When I used to time trial on a bike, I could just think, I could just with my mind sit down and lower my pulse. I always remember yeah. that. Um, but. Uh, what you're talking about is another level altogether. Well, no, it's, well, it's, it is like if you, if you have this sort of a, a repertoire time. movement, I'm sure with yoga or meditation, it's a very similar thing. You put your body into a certain position or, and, and then your body remembers, right? The physiology then controls the psychology, right? That's how this works. Physiology, how does the body feel? And then the mind recognizes how the body is feeling, right? So this is like, I mean, in, in theater, people know that very, very well. Dancers, of course, know that really well. Yeah. And so that was like a really huge learning. And then the other thing is actually then ended up in dance class out on the West Coast, ended up finding like my, um, just also one of serendipitous connection, but I ended up finding like, um, you know, uh, Professor Fasti, like my design professor. Like he was, he was there because he was constantly trying to expand different modes of thinking. So that's why he was in dance class. And, you know, I remember him like introducing himself, you know, this was a funny, silly exercise in dance class, but you essentially had to dance your way into as an introduction, right? So the assignment was like, you know, dance to introduce yourself. And what he ended up doing is actually dancing. He was a very funny man. He looked like Papa Smurf, big white beard. And he then started moving like somewhat like a quirky robot, but um, he was spelling out his name like a plotter. And he was spelling out the letters R-O-L-F. And when I saw that, I just burst out laughing because it was just so funny. And yeah, so we got into conversation. I told him what I was doing. And then he told me, he's like, I think what you're doing is design. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. And so, you know, then basically told me, he's like, no, no, I mean, it's stuff that you've been doing on the software side and in what you've been building and engineering. That's, it's actually all design. You should learn more about it. And, you know, and that, that also then drastically changed sort of my trajectory because I then sort of learned more about the design process. And then also started realizing that design is something or and design and creativity is there is a process. Um, it can be taught. As a result, we can get better at it, and everyone can learn it, right? And that also then essentially was then um, you know the really big source of inspiration then for the rest of my career. Before we bring it to a close, could I just ask you two questions? One, what do you think is the um, one or two essential qualities? You're quite self-aware that you feel 
has, you've probably touched on them, has, it, has allowed you to kind of continuously succeed in your career? And the other question really would be around, you know, what would you always say to an entrepreneur if an entrepreneur came to you? Like one or two things you'd say, just things that, that, that you feel will, somebody should bring with them when they start up a business. Yeah, I think um, for the entrepreneur, I mean, the, the, the main advice is for people starting out is like start with the team. Like if, like just really start with the team because like, you know, who knows entrepreneurship and venture where things are going to go. Like you want to be with people like you like that you learn from, right? Because like, you know, there will be highs, there will be lows, you know, and, and there might not even be light at the end of the tunnel, right? But you will enjoy the journey if you enjoy the people that you're with, right? So it's like you're already a winner no matter what happens if you're, you know, if you have the right team. And then, you know, of course, have a great idea and have the skills and all of this too, right? But always start with a team. It's also one of those things when people ask me, like, advice around, like, how do I get investors? And how do, you know, I need investment so I can hire a team. And I was like, you've got it wrong. <laughs> you get the team and then the investors will give you money. And yeah. give them the shares, right? I mean, that's yeah. sort of like, that's sort of the nice thing, right? It's, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, so that's like, these are the things. Start, start with the team. And then the other question was about, the, 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 the an, an inner quality that you possess. I mean, there are many, but but for you, you know, when you think about you know what's helped carry you, kind of from one thing to the next successfully, yeah. what inner quality? Do yeah. You feel? So I think this is. So I guess why I struggle with the idea of success, but but I, I get okay. what you're saying. Um, uh, but I get what you're saying. Like what has has sort of fueled me and energized me. Like and it's the, the and that's something where I. I I hope it's never going to leave, but there's just a, there is a huge curiosity and enthusiasm for what I do. And I don't know why. Like, I sometimes really feel like I haven't advanced from my childhood. Uh, you know, you've, got, you've always got this curiosity and you've always got this desire and, you, and you, you've got this love of what you do, um, but you're also questioning. You're also questioning, it's like there's almost a part of you that's questioning whether that will always be there. Yeah, that, it's like that you rediscover like, it every morning. I, I wonder why it's why it is there, but in many ways, like, and I don't I don't know how much of it. It's just innate in me, or I just was, or I was able to always transform whatever I'm working on into something that seemed exciting to me. And but it turns out actually, oftentimes, it also is exciting for others, right? I yeah. mean, that's one of the things that you're just like I enjoyed working with George because these are always interesting projects, right? And I think that's then ultimately maybe maybe it's it that like that you know I always had the good fortune that I get to work on problems. And questions that are really meaningful, you know, to me and also to others, right? And a, and a wise and a wise person said, you can always like judge, you know, the quality of your life based on the quality of questions you get to solve. And I think that is actually, you know, that is a really, really, you know, and if you can work on the type of questions that you really care about, then you know, you do have a great life. Uh, George, uh, it's great to hear so much focus on bringing value into the world. Uh, and on doing it with, with uh, people you enjoy being with and care about. Um, thanks a million for being on 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thank you. For the next episode, we'll stay in the Web Summit in Lisbon for episode 107 of 14 Minutes of SaaS, where I interviewed Ilan Twig, CTO and co-founder of TripActions, a corporate travel management company. 
COVID-19 is obviously a major challenge to SaaS companies in that industry. But at the time of recording a few months ago, it was the fastest growing software company in history and had just been valued at 4 billion US dollars after just four years in existence. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills, to Ketsu for the music, and to Anders Getz for the transcript. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and of course, give the show a rating. Thank you.